Welcome to the Maria Liberati Show, where food meets art, travel, and life. So what does food mean to you? Well, join me in this week's episode as I interview art expert Tamara Avashai. And uh, she's an art expert, and I usually try to do some segments on art and Leonardo da Vinci for the month of April, because April 15th is Leonardo da Vinci's birthday. So join me in my interview with Tamara Avishai. If you are a Leonardo da Vinci aficionado, um, you will really enjoy this interview or even an art lover. You'll definitely enjoy this interview. And I just want to remind everyone that on Sunday, May 7th, from 1 till 4 p.m., I will be doing an Italian-themed wine-pairing dinner with recipes from my award-winning book series. And I will be doing this um, four-course wine pairing dinner at Ridgewood Winery in Bechtelsville, Pennsylvania. And you know, Ridgewood Winery does have some award-winning wines. So you do need to pre-register because registration is limited. These events have become really popular. So please register and join us for this fun event. You'll have some great food and great wines. And it's really beautiful there as well. That's Sunday, May 7th from 1 to 4 p.m. at the Ridgewood Winery in Bechtelsville, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. And on April 30th, the Maria Liberati show will be doing its first live broadcast from the Philitalia International Gala. How fitting, because Philitalia promotes Italian culture and heritage. And I will be interviewing some of the civic and business leaders there that are involved with the organization, but they will be also having some delicious Italian food, as you can imagine. And you can also join us for this event by um, registering or purchasing a ticket rather at the Philitalia International website. If you have any questions, please email us at info at Hope to see you at both or one of the events. So I have a special guest with me. I have Tamara Avi, and she's an art historian. And she is also a radio producer, but host of The Lonely Palette. And I thought she would be a perfect guest to weigh in on um, Da Vinci. And, you know, she can weigh on on some topics that she's come up with. So, um, Tamar, tell us, I know you had some great ideas on uh, some things that you were thinking that you wanted to weigh in on for Da Vinci. So why don't you get started? Um, well, thank you so much for having me, Maria. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. There are artists that you, you get this a lot both as an art historian, but also as the kind of art historian who's really interested in reaching out to the public, which is what I was before I even did the podcast. I was always interfacing, doing a lot of education stuff at museums, um, teaching a lot of college courses. And people have the artists that they think they should know. You know, those are the artists that are so famous that they have to, you know, in order to feel like they actually know anything about art, they have to know these artists, but they don't know why they should know them. They don't know why they matter. Uh And Leonardo is, of course, you know, the biggie. And it's, it's funny because the kind of celebrity that the artists from the high Renaissance have largely like I hate to say I hate to put it this way because it sounds like it's a little bit 
uh, puerile, but I'll uh, bear with me. You have like the Ninja Turtle artists, right? You have, you know, Leonardo, Raphael, Donatello, who's actually a generation earlier and Michelangelo. And these are artists that people recognize because of, of course, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But if it weren't for the fact that this period of the, the high Italian Renaissance so valued the individual artist and was so interested in making these artists celebrities in their own moment in a way that we'd never seen before. Art history never cared about the artists like this before until you get to this period. You know, if it weren't for the fact that you had Giorgio Vasari, who's kind of considered the first art historian, writing about these artists and their individual personalities and their skills and their picadillos and, you know, what to, like, why they mattered as individuals, then we never would have been able to, like, name cartoon Ninja Turtles after them. <laughs> you know, it's like they wouldn't have mattered to us today if they didn't matter so much in their own moment. And I'm really interested in why... Um, you know, why the celebrity of artists, like what that can actually teach us about their own moment. And Leonardo is a really, really good example of that. Um, and I'd say especially actually because the Mona Lisa is of course the most famous painting in Western art. I mean, you could argue that it's the most famous painting in the world. Uh, and the reason why it is so famous is actually kind of twofold. One is because of how much it mattered in its own moment. And the other is how much it matters in our contemporary moment, or at least in, in the 20th century. So I can dive into, I can dive into both stories there. Um, <clears throat> so when I, was, uh, when I was an art history student, I remember that I had to learn, you know, we had these slide exams, which I guess they don't really use slides anymore, but no. back in the day. Yeah. Uh, and you had to memorize the artist name, the name of the painting, and the date that it was painted, usually within a couple of years. And the Mona Lisa, the date was, I always remember, this was like 1503 to 1505, something like that. Uh -huh. But then you would put in parentheses next to it, 1517. Uh -huh. And that's because that's the year that, that Leonardo died. And that was a really important thing to remember because even though you have this painting ostensibly about a woman, even though we barely know anything about her, Lisa del Giacondo, she was the wife of a Florentine silk merchant. And that's about all we know about her. Um, he had gone to uh, Leonardo to commission this painting of his wife, this portrait, and he never delivered it. He hung on to it for the rest of his life, uh, Leonardo did. And so you end up with this painting that, you know, we care about when it was painted, but the fact that the end date is his death date speaks to the fact that this was such an important painting to him that he just, he held on to it, he experimented on it. And because, as I said before, artists in that moment were such celebrities in their own right, that makes this an exceptionally valuable painting, even though it's a portrait of someone we don't care about. I mean, how often are portraits not about the sitter, but about the artist? So that's this really incredible thing about this specific painting. And then 
afterwards, like it has kind of an interesting story after Leonardo dies. And, and I am, I am openly not an expert, especially in the, the provenance of this painting. It's, it's history of ownership, but um, it ended up in Napoleon's hands. It ended up uh, hanging in Josephine's bedroom. I mean, it was a very famous painting in its own time, but it was nothing like it is now. Um, and it was uh, installed at the Louvre. And in 1911, it was stolen. And it's funny because not everybody knows that, even though everybody knows about the Mona, like everybody knows about its fame, but very few people actually know about the precipitating event that created its fame. Um, if the Mona Lisa hadn't been stolen and it was stolen by um, an Italian uh, employee at the Louvre, I believe, who uh, wanted to kind of return her home because this was this Italian painting that had been owned by, by the French for so long. He was able to actually put it under his smock and walk out the door. Uh -huh. um, and it sparked this manhunt that was akin to like the Lindbergh baby. I mean, it just captured the imaginations of every, you know, everybody loves a good true crime story. And so they were, people were obsessed with the fact that this, that this painting had been stolen. You know, they went to see the empty spot on the wall and it was finally, it was returned about two years later. It was actually returned um, because he kind of couldn't live with himself anymore. Um, oh, he so was arrested. He returned it. The yeah. Oh, wow. So yeah. He spent like six months in jail and, um, but by the time it came back, its fame was so far beyond. It was like, it didn't even matter that it was back. Wow. Um, and that has what, you know, that is what pushed it into this kind of unimaginable celebrity that it has now where, you know, you go into, I mean, at least before COVID, you wow. know, you, you could barely get, I, I could barely get within 10 feet of it yeah. because there's so many people in the gallery. Exactly. Yes. Wow. And, you know, I wonder if Da Vinci, you know, he just hung on to it. Maybe he knew something inside of him, the fame that this was going to have possibly, or maybe he had some inkling. Who knows? Who knows? But, um, you know, I, I, it's just amazing, though, what you just brought out, that you're absolutely right. I, I never really thought of the celebrity, though, of these Renaissance painters, but you're absolutely right. It's just, it's incredible, you know, the celebrity, the way that they did create that um, of those artists. And some of them, I, I did some research in Italy while I've been there on Da Vinci and some of the other, you know, Michelangelo and all, and some of them actually had like painting companies. They would go around and paint frescoes in your house. So, um, you know, so I'm just saying, you know, these artists that we think of as celebrities, you know, if you talk to like an older Italian, they're like, oh yeah, well, you know, that, that villa wherever in Tuscany, you know, it could have been painted by one of, you know, Da Vinci or Michelangelo had this company and they used to go around and you know in these villas like you know like like we would consider maybe a handyman or artist today that was kind of like a side thing they might have done but and yeah we got to make a living yes exactly <laughs> exactly but anyway yes it's incredible the celebrity that that he and and that painting did have it. and thank you so much for for um bringing that that point that interesting fact to us uh, yes definitely and I wasn't aware of all that that went on I guess that 
so that thief, the thief probably brought even more celebrity to the uh, to the painting itself. Having been stolen. Yes, having it stolen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and what's you know, it was stolen for reasons that matter so much to why it was so initially valuable. And yet, you know, it's it's the very fact of its being stolen that kind of, I don't know, put it on another plane. Um, because again, you know, you'll always hear people say that that, you know, seeing the Mona Lisa is like a bucket list thing. Yeah. Um, but they don't know why. And it's a shame because because they don't really just, um, I mean, appreciates the wrong word because that sounds so judgmental, but it's like people don't necessarily think that they are walking into a gallery of high Renaissance paintings that are exceptionally valuable in their own right. You know, the paintings around the Mona Lisa are just as exquisite, but you know, they know that they have to go there because if you actually walk into the Louvre, there are signs that say, you know, Mona Lisa that away, you know, we know why you're here. And then they're a little disappointed and how many times have you ever heard people say, yeah, it was really small. It was like smaller than I thought. It just, it wasn't, it's just a, yeah, I remember talking to people in the gallery and they were like, yeah, it's just a portrait. And it's like, not only is it just a portrait, but like of who, yeah. who we don't even care, you know? Exactly. And so it's a, it's a bummer that, that the kind of fame it, um, it garnered wasn't really why it matters because it does matter deeply but not for the reasons that people seek it out for i see what you're saying it could be kind of a letdown it reminds me of i don't know if you've ever been to the leaning tower of pisa yeah i have (laughs) so you know you're all wailed up oh my gosh this is one of the wonders of the world and you're gonna see and you just walk down the street and there it is this leaning little tower and yeah well, and Pisa itself is not a particular, yeah. I mean, I, I hope no, no Pisans are listening, but you know, it, it, it's not a terribly interesting town. No. And so, <laughs> you know, other than to get little, like, you know, little exactly. sculptures. I mean, it, it's interesting, but it kind of reminds me of that, that in, in a sense, that same kind of, well, you know, because you hear so much about it and, you know, I guess if we're not there, we're not close to it, you hear so much about it and, it's like, you know, got this legend and you get there and it's like, is that all there is? And I guess the, yeah. in a way it's kind of a disservice to the moon, to the actual painting, but it, there's just so much more to it. You're absolutely right. Well, Tamar Aviche, thank you so much. And you are the host of The Lonely Palette. Where can everybody find you? Um, do you have a website? Why don't you tell I me? do. Um, it's thelonelypalette.com. Um, any podcatcher, anywhere you listen to podcasts, just look for the Lonely Palette and you'll find me. It's a it's a picture, actually, appropriately enough, of the Mona Lisa with headphones on. Um, and uh, I'm all over social media. So at Lonely Palette on Twitter, at The Lonely Palette on Instagram. And I post regularly a lot of art history um, kind of facts. And, and you know, so I, I would say that my my Twitter account is not as interesting, but the Instagram one is. So check that one out. That's great. That's great. Thank you so much. Thanks again. And um, who knows, we might have you on again. Sure. Anytime. Thank you so much. Thank you for being on. Take care.
Thanks for listening to the Maria Liberati Show. And thanks to my special guest, Tamara Avishai. And wishing you all a happy and healthy and blessed Easter celebration for those of you that celebrate Easter and Passover and all of the spring holidays um, for those of you that celebrate any of your holidays. And if you don't have a holiday to celebrate, celebrate. It's spring and the weather is beautiful and you hear the birds chirping and this it's getting sunnier and you're able now to plant all your flowers and vegetables outside so just celebrate and special thanks to my producer Britton Roselle as always and don't forget please join me for my four-course Italian-themed wine-pairing dinner at the beautiful Ridgewood Winery in Bechtelsville, Pennsylvania. You can register for that event at eventbrite.com. And also, we will be doing our first live broadcast. The Maria Liberati Show will be broadcasting live from the Philitalia International Gala at the Overbrook Country Club in Villanova, Pennsylvania. You can join us. Um, You need to purchase a ticket. And by the way, there will be some great Italian food there. You can purchase a ticket on the Phil Italia website. And uh, also just you can find just so you know where to find me, you can find me at marialiberati.com. You can also find me on Facebook at Chef Marialiberati.com. You can find me on Instagram at Maria Liberati. You can also find me on Twitter at Maria Liberati on my Roku channel, which is uh, let's see the Maria Liberati show because there you're able to find some of the videos from our podcast. And let's see, you can also find me on my Vimeo channel, Maria Liberati. You can also find me on my Roku channel, The Basic Art of Italian Cooking by Maria Liberati. And my Gourmand World award-winning book series, The Basic Art of Italian Cooking. You can find that anywhere books are sold online, but you can find it on marialiberati.com and the publisher's website, artoflivingprimamedia.com. And until next time, peace, love, and pasta.